All right. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, I, I want to I go over this to the Lord's Prayer. And I, I, as I start this, I, I, we want to pray in the new year. So uh, I, I want to give you a little caveat that we're going to cover Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 5 through 13 today. Um, but we aren't going to cover it the way we've covered it before. We've actually uh, taught on a series uh, called Lord Teach Me to Pray. That's available on our website. You can go uh, look at those sermons and listen to those. I think there's eight or nine sermons in this series. So uh, the Lord's Prayer is big, right? It's, not, it's bigger than what we can accomplish today. So we're going to hit the highlights today. In no means is it going to be exhaustive, but it's, it's meant today to be a model of how we pray and a prompt for us to pray. So we're going to be heavy on the praying today, uh, light on the exegesis through this text because we've done that before, and you can go uh, look that up if you'd like to do that. Uh, but we will be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. I'm sorry, beginning in verse uh, 13. I'm sorry, 5. Sorry, 5 in a minute. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and pray for me, and then we're going get, to uh, get started, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. And God, today as we come uh, in this new year, God, our desire is to be renewed. God, and we know that you make all things new. So, Lord, we come to you to worship you, to honor you, to pray to you, God, to learn from you and your word. And God, we ask that you would be with us today, that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive, God, to your word, that you would humble us, God, and make us vessels that would offer you praise, that, God, you would, you would humble us in ways that we would seek your will and your kingdom above everything else, that we would value you above all others. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to, to unite together as the body of Christ, those who have expressed faith in Christ and call out to our Father who is in heaven. We thank you. May you be honored today in all that we do and say, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So we are, uh, we're going to go into uh, a series uh, next week, four weeks, uh, spent on, on meditating on God's Word and hiding God's Word in our heart. Uh, for the new year, we're not reading through the Bible in a year. You can do that if you'd like to again. But for this year, we're going to be focusing on memorizing Scripture. And, and what we've chosen to do is, is, is to do 12 passages of Scripture, one for each month of the year. So our first passage is going to be Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It is going to be the Lord's Prayer. Now, many of you have memorized that, uh, maybe as a kid uh, in the New King James or NASB or whatever it might have been, maybe the King James Version, uh, and that's great. But I, I really would encourage you to, to make sure you study it afresh and make sure you're hiding those words in your heart, not just reciting them as, as some kind of babble that you've learned, because that's what I did when I learned the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I am going to be memorizing it out of the CSB translation. It's the one I preach from. It's what's in the P-Rack in front of you. Uh, and, and I would encourage you, if you have studied it and memorized it in the past, a long time ago, in a different translation, maybe try it in a new one. Maybe get the ESV or the CSB and, uh, and pull that out and, and, and memorize it again so you can kind of hold on to the meaning and, the, and the, the depth of it a little more. But we will be memorizing that uh, this month, in the month of January, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and read the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today. Uh, we'll begin in verse number 5 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored 
as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today, uh, I want us to look at this passage, and we're going to break it into three components. And if you've been around during our prayer nights, or if you've seen the prayer bookmark uh, in the bulletin different times, we kind of give you a model of, of how you can pray and what you can pray for. And today, uh, we are going to spend time in prayer together. We're going to go through this section. Uh, each section uh, will have kind of a, an aspect of prayer that we, that we are going to enter into. So uh, today, when we pray, number one, we're going to look at the adoration and exaltation uh, section. Adoration and exaltation. We adore Christ, we adore Him, we lift Him up, we exalt Him, uh, and we see that there in Matthew 6 uh, in verse 9. But before we get there, I want to look just ahead. It said there were some ways we weren't to pray, right? Ways we didn't want to pray. And He said, don't pray like the hypocrites, right? And they want to be seen, and they want to have all these fancy words and big words, and they, they think that's how they're going to be heard. And that's not the case at all, right? It, it, when we enter into prayer, even corporate prayer, it needs to be from the humble, pure motives of a heart that is confident in God. Like we, we humble ourselves saying, God, I, I'm, I'm nothing and you're everything. And I come before you today seeking your will. And which means I'm going to humble my will and I'm going I'm to bow before you. And, and God, I'm going I'm to talk to you. I'm going to share my heart. I'm going to share my wants. I'm going to share my needs. But then I'm going to listen for you and what you might do. I'm going to let you move in me. I'm going to let you move in our midst and, and in my life. I'm going to let you direct and you guide. But it has to start from that humble perspective and, and a pure motive and confidence in God. Now, listen, I know as, as a dad, my kids can come to me with impure motives, and they can trick me, right? My kids can come to me uh, not so humble at times and kind of prideful, and I don't know where they get that at all, <laughs> right? And certainly, I want them to come to me confident in me, right? But they, they, come, to me, they come to me confident, trying to twist my buttons and, and, and push my buttons, right, and, and get me to do what they want me to do because they're confident that I could allow that. But, but as, as a dad, uh, we need to understand, too, that our Heavenly Father isn't as, as easily duped as we might be. So when, when you and I come before the Father, we, we have to come with real humility, not a show of humility. We have to come with real pure motives, really desiring to seek and know God and to, and to, to do His will, not, not with just lip service because he is the one who knows and then when we establish that there's a confidence that we can have in him our father to hear our prayer so our first section again is is prayer in adoration and exaltation uh, matthew 6 9 through 10 it says therefore when you pray this is jesus speaking by the way when you pray you should pray like this our father in heaven your name be honored as holy your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now, two little things I want to look at here is, one is the father aspect of it. A, a beautiful imagery there, right? This is the God of heavens and, earth, heavens and the earth, and he's, he's saying, approach him as father. Well, why? Because we've been made sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ, right? He's adopted us. When we express faith in Christ, he adopts us. We used this verse a couple weeks ago in our series on Christmas. Uh, in Galatians 4, it says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we, that's we, you and I, we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir also. Right? So we, we have been adopted and grafted into God's family. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. So Father, we, we approach Him as Father. And, and he's, he's the best Father. He's the greatest Father. He's, there's no other Father that's better than Him. And listen, I've, I've said this before. We have lots of examples in our life of fathers, some good, some bad. But that is not the example of what a Father is. God as a Father is the example. So we go to Him as, uh, as the best Father that we could possibly imagine. He's a father. But also, when we pray, we say our father. It's very important to catch this, our father. He's not just my father. He's our father. Whose father is he? Ours. Those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ have been grafted in as sons and daughters. We, who have been grafted in as sons and daughters, share our father. And I think one of the really important things to see here is the the unity that we share in Christ because of that adoption. Right, that, and that the unity we share as we come together and gather together. Now listen, I know it's a new year, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm hoping many people are making it a priority or a resolution or whatever you want to call it to say, I need to get back to the we. I need to get back to the our. Right? Maybe, maybe you're tuning in today on the live stream, and you're sitting at home all alone, and that's, not, that's the me. This is the we, and you're missing out on the we who pray to our Father. There's a unity that we share when we're here together. Amen? There's a unity that we share when we worship our Father, when we pray to our Father, when we seek our Father, because we come together not as individuals, but as individuals who are now part of a collective, a a corporate gathering, a a body of Christ, the family of God. We pray to our Father. We share unity in Christ as His children through faith in Him. Then we look at this holy. He says, Our Father in heaven, Your name be honored as holy. Holy. God is holy. We see this in Isaiah, this image where um, it says in, in, in chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah says, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high and lofty on a throne, and the, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Like this grand big picture of God, right? Seraphim were standing above him, and each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they called out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Holy cow, right? Like you, This is the grandeur we're seeing of God. And again, if you want to get more in detail of this, go back to our old sermon series. But this is talking about the holiness of God, the purity of God, the grandeur of God. There is no one greater. In a little while, we're going to see how he responds to that in our confession time. Right? Because there's nothing else we can do when we're, when we're confronted with a holy God and when we pray to God, our Father, who is holy and to be honored as holy, we put Him in His place. One of the things we've incorporated over the past several months is at the beginning of our service, a time of, of, of reading the Scripture and prayer. And that reading, that Scripture reading is meant to, to be there as a time where we say, you know, it's time out, pause, it's not about me. Let me get my heart right. Let me, you know, it used to be we'd start with announcements, right? Or maybe a song and we'd chit chat through it and we wouldn't really be in the right frame. And now, now we stop and we pause and we elevate God and exalt Him as holy. And we say, You're the one we're, focused, we're focusing on today and not ourselves. That's how we had to pray as well. And it says also, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an alignment in our heart that needs to take place that, that I, I don't want my will to be done, I want His will to be done. And the little kingdom that I've established, I want to be dethroned, so he's on the throne of it. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, 
I live in a high and lofty place or holy place uh, with the oppressed and lowly of spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. See, there's a change that he wants to have happen inside of our spirit, inside of our heart. And that heart should become into alignment with his heart. We align our hearts with his and our kingdom to his and our will to his. That's what it means to adore and to exalt him in humility. So right now we're going to take time. And what I've done, I've, I've asked certain people in our, in our body here uh, to pray for us and pray out loud. So you don't, you don't have to come thinking, oh, you need to pray out loud and you're on the spot. We don't want you to do that. What I'm going to do is we're going to enter into a time of prayer right now. And for about a minute, I just want it to be silent prayer. You and God talking, talking to each other and, and you just pouring out your heart and, and adoring him as holy and adoring him as father and thanking him that you're a child of God through faith in Christ. Put him in, 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 on the throne where he belongs and align your heart to his during this first minute of prayer. And then after that, I've asked, I've asked uh, Alistair and Charity and, and then I'll, I'll finish up praying uh, during that time to pray out loud and to pray, pray on our behalf to God uh, this morning, okay? So we're going to go, it's every, every head bowed and every eye closed. We're just going go to go to God now in prayer, uh, you and God right now in silent prayer for about a minute or so. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> we, we come to adore you. God, you are, you are the only one worthy of our praise. You're the only one worthy of our adoration. God, you are the creator, the sustainer of life. We thank you for that. God, in, in the busyness of life, it's so easy for us to take that for granted, to, to say we know it or even tell others that we believe it. But God, to live that every day, to let every beautiful sunset or sunrise or every creation image, Lord, we see be a finger that points to you as the heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim the work of your hands. And God, as we are in relationship with other people, Lord, whether it be other believers or, or not, God, we see people who are created in your image. They're still image bearers. And God, that points to you. God, help us to yield ourselves to you. God, if you are the magnificent one, if since you're the creator, you deserve all the glory. You deserve all of our allegiance. And God, again, in the busyness of life and routine, we tend to set up our own and establish our own kingdom. We exert our own will every day. Lord, would you please help us to yield, to yield our will to your will to trade in our kingdom for your kingdom. That, God, we would let you rule on the throne of our lives every single moment of every single day. God, we yield to you. We offer you all the praise that we can muster because you alone are worthy. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, after adoration, we have uh, number two, petition and asking. And I, I want us to look at verse 11. So it goes on in this, and it says, and by the way, on the screen, you'll see 
Uh, these are things that you can be praying for. And I think the next time we'll have a, during that silent prayer, that one minute time, you'll see that again as a prompt there for you. But right now, um, for petition and asking, we'll see in verse 11 that goes on and the prayer says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. God provides what we need. God provides what we need. And that means God does not provide what we want. Unless what we want is what we need. Right? And that's hard sometimes. That's the idea of aligning my heart back to God. Hopefully what I want is what I need from God. But there are times of suffering in my life that I didn't want, but God said I needed. There are times of of disappointment that I didn't want, but God said I needed. And times that He honed me and sharpened me because of those trials and uh, helped me be, a, be someone who perseveres because of them. Give us today our daily bread. Well, what are some of those things? What are those daily breads? What are those, those needs that he's going to meet? I think one is physical needs. He's going to meet physical needs. We see Psalm 37, 25. It says, I've been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. God is going to supply your needs. And, and we have requests, and those, those go beyond just physical sometimes. It's, maybe it's emotional, right? The anxiety in life. Hoyt preached on this uh, a few months ago in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Right? It's so important as we uh, talk about prayer and, and how do we pray. The model is, God, give us today our daily bread. We ask God to meet our needs. We ask God to meet our physical need. We present our request to God about our emotional needs inside, and we also let God meet our spiritual needs as well. We bring our request to God. We ask. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 says this about our, our spiritual needs. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter the, and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Remember that the Lord your God led you the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Amazing, right? Rem this idea of remember. We, when we go to the Lord in prayer, when we ask the Lord, what we're saying is, Lord, I remember. I remember that you're a provider. I remember you're the one who takes care of our needs. Remember. And, and the Lord led them through the, the, the 40 years. Why? So that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you, were, uh, you would keep his commands or not. Again, this yielding, this alignment back to the purposes of God, the kingdom of God, the will of God. Verse 3 in Deuteronomy 8, he says, He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Wow, I thought he was going to provide for our needs. Well, they didn't, they didn't die, right? They went hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, right? You were hungry, and you're like, what am I going to do? I, we had meat and potatoes back in Egypt. What happened? He said, He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known. So that, so why did this happen? That you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's so important to understand as we, as we approach God in prayer and ask God that, that he, would, he would give us today our daily bread, not only is it physical needs, it is also emotional needs, and he would take, take care of the anxiety within, but he would also fill me spiritually and trusting that I do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. God's word is what is sufficient for me 
to nourish me and to keep me going. Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured your word or the words of his mouth more than my daily food. We talk about fasting and praying. This is what we're talking about. That when we fast and when we're hungry and that stomach is just churning, that I could say like Job, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. That there is a greater treasure than what I need in my gut. His word is sufficient for me. And then not only is it a physical need and an emotional need, but a spiritual need, we understand that Jesus is actually the one who meets the greatest need. We saw this a couple weeks ago in our series, a Christmas series in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. Are you hungry? He is the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they eventually died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. There, listen, there will be a day where this body will go ultimately hungry, where this, this body will ultimately fail me. But the provision that, that we have through Christ is his flesh, that he laid down his life so he could be the bread of life, that if I partake in him and I believe in him, that I would have eternal life. So not only when I pray, God, give us today our daily bread, it's also a reminder, God, not only do I need, need food today and do I need emotional and spiritual energy and support and strength, but I need you because I will not have life without you. In Christ, we have life. Jesus is our greatest need. And I, I, I've told you my prayer before, oftentimes, is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Right? And, and it's not just now for strength, not just now for food, not just now for support and stability. It is for eternal life. I hope you've believed that. Uh, we're going to go into a moment here uh, in, in prayer. Uh, let's go ahead and take this time and, uh, and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we, we bow our hearts to you. and God, we come to you because you are, you are God. And God, the things that we deal with today, the things that we are struggling with, or God, the loss that we feel, or God, the hurt, or body aches, or cancers, Lord, all those things are, are not foreign to you. You know exactly what's going on. So we come to you. We come to you confident, Lord, that you are the great physician. We come to you confident, Lord, that you love us and ours better than we could ever imagine. So God, I, I pray for these requests today. I lift them up to you, Lord. For all of those who are, are struggling, Lord, with cancer or illness, Lord, or uh, disease, God, I pray that you would be near to them. God, I pray that you would be healing them, that you would be uh, working out, um, God, their faith. God, they would feel your presence. They would find comfort and peace from you. God, that you would work through physicians and treatments, Lord. God, not only to, to bring healing and wholeness, but God, to bring them close to you so they'd be spiritually whole. We trust you with that. God, for, for friends that we know that are hurting or struggling, God, help us to be used in their lives as encouragers, as support, God, as family. God, for those uh, who feel alone or feel desperate or feel that this new chapter is, is so uncertain and unknown, God, I pray that you would just reveal yourself in mighty ways, that, God, they would, they would reach out to 
the body of Christ for support and for encouragement. God, they would find sufficiency from your word, grace from your son and your spirit, God, and compassion from your people. God, there are so many hurts in this world. There's so much darkness that we live in the midst of, Lord. And God, you have called us as the church to be a city on a hill, a light shining in that darkness. So God, we pray that you would help us to do that. That help us not to, to hide our light, but God, to show the hope that we have through faith in Christ. Despite our circumstances, despite what's going on in our lives or the world around us, we have a God who, who wins. So we thank you for that. God, I thank you for all of the, the sweet times and memories that have been made the last few weeks as college kids have been back home or as students have been out of school, Lord, as families have reunited. Um, God, for many, it's been a sweet, sweet time, and I just, I just pray for fruit from that. And God, for a, a good transition time going back. God, for those who are feeling the grief during this time of the year, Lord, because of um, loneliness or loss, God, I pray that you would, again, be near to them. They would know your comfort and know your peace and know your presence and power. We thank you for that. God, we trust that you are working in our midst. We trust that you are a God who hears our prayer. And God, that's what we need to know. We need to know that you hear us. Even if you don't give us exactly what we want, you are going to hear us and give us exactly what we need. So we trust in you. We know, Lord, the righteous will live and walk by faith. So help us to walk by faith. Lord, now as we enter into this time of a further petition, God, we remember those who are around the world, our brothers and sisters, Lord. So we honor them right now, too, as we continue in prayer. What we get to is confession and repentance. That's number three is confession and repentance. So we've adored him and exalted uh, God. We petition and ask God, and now we get to a confession and repentance, and uh, super important. If we look at verses 12 and 13 in Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We read a passage in Isaiah 6 earlier where Isaiah saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and and he just knew, he was like, I am, I, I'm dead meat. And he says it, he goes on, here's his response to seeing this majesty of God, to seeing the angels singing holy, 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 back and forth, and the place shaking and filling with smoke. Here's his response in verse 5 of Isaiah 6. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. His response was utter shock, and, 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 and knowing that he was an absolute failure at everything that he could not compare himself to God, he could never uh, live up to God or match up to God. He says, I am ruined. And why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. You see, when we, got, we put God in his rightful place, we call him holy and we, we lift him up and exalt him, we have to see ourselves for who we are now. Rex, worthless, sinful, separated from God. So then one of the seraphim flew to me, and his hand was on, well, on a glowing coal that he'd taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, and your sin is atoned for. See, this is the beauty of the gospel. And, and as hard as it is to go to God in confession, 
We go to God confessing because we know that He is a God who forgives, that He is a God who has atoned for our sin through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. When I am ruined, I can be forgiven. He is the one also then who brings me joy. So many of us live in this life with guilt and shame, and we let guilt and shame weigh us down and, and direct us and, uh, and, and keep us from something. And maybe it's what's keeping you from your relationship with God is your guilt and your shame. It's like, I, I'm not good enough. I'll show up to church, maybe a New Year's resolution. You came today because I, I want to I test this out. Listen, there's nothing that will ever bring you close to God except for God and your faith in Him. But we come to Him open and, and empty. We come to Him in repentance, confessing that we are not worthy, that we are sinful, that we are separated, and that He is the only one that's atoned for our sin and finished the work on the cross. And the joy we have through faith in Christ, through confession of our sin, through being covered and atoned for is immense. We see in Psalm 32, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I, I, I don't mean to tell stories all the time about my kids, and I just learn a lot of lessons from them. But I think about how, how they can be sorry and they can be kind of sorry, right? Like they, when they want to, to get back in favor, I'm sorry. But real repentance is that I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and there are times that, you know, there's hesitation. Like, I don't know if I want to tell dad this. I don't want to tell the whole story. See, I want to make it a joy for them to be forgiven. I want to let them know that they can be forgiven. Certainly they're going to be accountable for their actions. But, but I, we always tell, well, I don't know, maybe you tell your kids the same thing. If you lie, it's going to be worse than if you tell the truth. Because I will find out right? And God knows also. We can't keep hiding our secrets away and burying them like I told the kids earlier. Those keys, every time parents, you take those keys out, remember those secret sins, those things you have locked away. We need to open those up and let God have those. Confessing our sin to him, saying, God, I have separated myself. I have, I have aligned myself with temptation and with sin and with error. I need to realign my heart with you. And we seek forgiveness. We seek restoration from him, and he is faithful and just to forgive us. But why is there joy? Because it's settled. The account has been settled. The sin has been paid for. Isaiah 1, 18, it says this, Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. I, I loved that. It's, this is going to be settled. It's going to be finished. It's going to be done. Let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So it's one thing to confess, but it, but it has to come from repentance, right? If you are willing. See, God has always wanted our heart. He wants us to be willing to be empty in front of him and say, God, I, God, I want to trade in what I was pursuing for you. I want to find you more valuable. I want your forgiveness. I want your restoration. I want my, my activity, my kingdom, my will to line up with your will. And see, when we come with that willing spirit, that willing heart, that repentant heart to him and turn to him and trade those things in for him, he is the one who can settle it once and for all. And though our sins are scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're crimson red, they will be like wool. But repentance is trading where I was going, what I had esteemed, what I had preferred, what I had sought after for what God wants for me. 
turning away from my errors, turning away from my sins, and running towards Him. And then the prayer goes on, deliver us from the evil one. Not only do I want to forgive and be forgiven, I want to be delivered from the evil one. I don't want to continue in those ways. I want a way out, and there's lots of scripture that talk about that. Deliver us from the evil one. And it goes on, uh, many later manuscripts say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This kind of wraps a bow on it, right? We started with the glory of God, the holiness of God, and ended, for yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen. I want to, I want to finish with one last passage of Scripture in Jude. It's one chapter, so verses 24 and uh, 25. It says, Now to him, that's calling this God, Jesus, who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Now today, as we finish our prayer time, and then we'll head back into worship in a few minutes, uh, we're going to enter into a time of confession and repentance. So I will, it's on the screen here for you, and, and we're going to have a, a silent minute. I know it's, it's awkward, but it's meant to be awkward. It's meant to feel like I, I, sh I should be dealing with something right now, me and God. We're going to have about a minute or so of silent uh, confession, and then Jeff Repass and David Holst and myself will finish us out, and we'll finish out in, in worship in response to God through our praise, okay? So let's, let's all bow again and, and pray together. <clears throat> we come to you and confess. We confess our, our hypocrisy. Lord, we confess our apathy. Lord, we confess that we want to be the king of our lives more often than not. God, we confess that we ignore those you put in our path. God, but we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to move us into a place of repentance and to walk faithfully everywhere we go because of Christ. We thank you that even though we suffer, we have hope because he has suffered for us first. And God, any fire we walk through, we know that he's walked through a hotter fire on our behalf. And Lord, you promised to be with us. So Lord, as we walk by faith, we walk by faith in and with the Son of God. And now to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.